0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist
1: I've had another like colossally shocker. It's, it's, it's just like I, I just, I'm afraid I'm just getting more and more like an agony aunt here in the corner and I would just apologize if I sound like a whiny old prick That's right. <laughs> like, I'm doing my best to put a positive spin but it's kind of like I just don't know <laughs> okay
0: yeah, you got a whole new game week tomorrow so good Yep. let's go hello so it's all back it's here and it's accompanied by simulated crowd noise and Neil more pie being a cock <laughs> anyway here we are yep uh, a lightning monday night edition as we smash out a pod with a shelf life of less than 24 hours yikes uh, due to the tight turnaround and of course father's day yesterday unfortunately something came up for nick at short notice so it's just anthony and i today you're right sir what's going on
1: all right, Tom. Another uh, shocking game week for me. So it's good to know that the world may have changed and everyone may be at a standstill. But my FPL team is still absolutely crap. So yeah, all good though.
0: Oh god, yeah. So <laughs> make it through, <laughs> make it through this, and then tomorrow is a whole new game week, and hopefully the narrative could be changed. Just say we are who got this. You can find us on Twitter at wgta underscore FPL for me at wgta underscore Nick. For Nick, incredibly enough, and at FPL Stag for Stag slash Anthony, as we call him. We're also on Instagram, WGTA.FPL. So, what's on today's
1: pod, Anthony? So as you say, Tom, it's going to be a quick turnaround. So we're going to just bash through the the main questions that are on people's minds as they're putting together, often wildcard teams, actually. So we're going to start off with the market forces, which is our new structure for the pod. And then we're going to review some of the key issues that we've seen crop up through questions and just through, you know, the obvious of like watching the games. Then we'll look at our own Game Week 31 teams and we'll deal with all of the listener questions.
0: Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, this was built initially as being Nick's World Cup. Unfortunately, due to Nick not being around, um, we're going to kind of do a slight different spin, obviously to make sense. So I think we're going to say what Nick's done around, as Anthony said, looking into some key picks for um, the upcoming game week and going forward as, as well, indeed. Dare I say it though? We should start with the game week reviews. <laughs> it's a bit frustrating for me, but I think, given by how you're looking tonight, uh, a bit more, even more frustrating for you. Uh, how did it go? <laughs>
1: Swimmingly um, Yeah I'm seeing I saw someone in our Slack group chat Say that they had 101 points And they were feeling disappointed uh. <laughs> I have 70 um, you know, it's, it's a case really of the good The bad and the ugly And I have picked out some good um, So bearing in mind that this was not like, I don't have a wild card So continuity was the main consideration In my own picks So I kept Trent Alexander-Arnold I, I never thought about selling him But it's a positive that I didn't sell him um, I had Matt Darty. I already had him in my team But he did well And that was You know From an FPL perspective He performed pretty much Perfectly Wasn't it An assist Clean sheet Three baps Thank you very much And I did keep Kevin De Bruyne um, There were drafts Where I had considered Mares, Who outscored him <laughs> Instead But at least I kept Kevin De Bruyne So <laughs> At least I did that And I also uh, and Jimenez Still in my squad That's great The bad um, Good old Irishman Egan The only Sheffield United defender I had so of course I was mullered by not having a triple or double up and then he went and got sent off and obviously he gets all the goal conceded bits as well so three points for him that was crap had oh. Leno six <laughs> points you'd get well soon Mr. Leno but of course that wasn't great uh, Jack Grealish probably the only player that I picked due to peer pressure that was in my squad and he was um, disappointing um, of course, you have to keep Salah, don't you? You know, he's the best player in the division, highest score. Yeah, he didn't play. And uh, Mason Mount, I was like, great. What a great player to have. Like, look, I really like uh, Pulisic. Like, You know, he's probably my favorite player in our team. But, you know, I just can't be sure he's going to play. So I picked Mount. Pulisic comes on, scores, whatever. He's probably going to be in the team for the next month. And, of course, then that was just the bad. The ugly is, of course, that I captained Pierre-Marco uh, instead of KDB. Uh, that was what 20 point swing or something like that the Brighton fixture looked good and look I wouldn't have expected such an insipid performance even though over the last like 15 years I've become conditioned to expect the worst from Arsenal and get worse than that uh, look it was a good pick on paper he had the second highest XG underachievement of the whole game week seven shots against Brighton Grant but still I should just not not, 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 not trust Arsenal their attitude is appalling they got distracted by the Leno incident okay <laughs> fair enough there's an aspect of that but at the end of the day they were more worried about winding up Neil mope who ended up winding them up in the end and i didn't have man united cover and I, this is my plan is to rectify but of course i'm not having fernandez meant i missed a few points too but I, I could live with that if it wasn't for all the other bits but look just one of these things folks these things happen tom yeah. tell us about your better
0: game week gladly i think just to make everyone feel a bit better about their lives after hearing that um, i got a 97 um, which is a bit awkward actually it's not as bad as getting a 99 or a 98 because it's not as kind of clutching as closely but i mean after 65 from seven after Wednesday night, I was thinking, you know, what the hundred's probably on here. And then 32 from 11, just lol, like, really just lol. I mean, when the right was Sterling, he scored the first goal, or the opening goal of the uh, Premier League, restarts. So I was like, yeah, come on, it's going to be a good game week. And then you know, De Bruyne got the penalty, got the assist, and then Aguero uh, fluffed when he was thrown on goal, hit the post, and that went to Frozen, that would have been the Sterling assist. And, you know, it just whatever reason after that it just it didn't really work out for me i mean there was a, the Matt d assist which is another high point but you know punts like pookie didn't really work out or as has been mentioned didn't do anything Grealish was basically as useful as, as a rotten fish and no, Alexander-Arnold the only high point no, Sheffield United being slapped really didn't help things either um, against Newcastle all these events transpired which meant I ended up not getting the 100 but obviously there's always someone worse off than you and uh, you being there Anthony has uh, uh, makes me feel slightly better about my lot
1: Yeah, it was a colossally poor showing for Irish defenders, really, because it was poor Enda Stevens who uh, set up that first goal for Sam Maximan as well by missing his clearance. So a poor showing all in all for Team Ireland there at Sheffield, but such is the way. Not good, not good.
0: Um, But one man did do very well is Nick. Um, He got 116, um, which is pretty damn good considering he also captained Aubameyang. So Captain Blank and still 116 points. Um, He says, it's nice to be in the 100 club, but can't help but feel there was a little bit of a mixed opportunity for a further explosive score going from 23 points from triple Sheffield United in the first game to zero in the second game. Thanks for John Egan. He looked like he'd seen a ghost after the second red card. I'm not going to keep doing it. Um, but yeah, basically he had Leno as well. And basically, I think it was just due to having Mares in this game that really kind of pushed him forward. When he first messaged us, he was, he was feeling a little bit sort of negative about how it had all gone. And it just completely turned around for him, as we said, through that marez uh, return. But players like Jimenez also did the job for him. Um, as did only Aguero, um, so two assists from not very long on the pitch, from 50 minutes on the, on the pitch. That's uh, not too bad at all. There we go. So, on the back of that tumultuous uh, double game week, obviously there were some very high scores in the community. Congratulations for those people who absolutely smashed it. Um, we are going to go on to the market forces to see what's going on and how things are uh, reacting. Um, obviously, at the time of recording, it is Monday night. Uh, so, a lot, a lot of this would have really kind of been
1: reactions to the weekend's action, but right, Anthony. Yeah, there's uh, absolutely. And I I guess what, I wouldn't say there's any surprises in here. And that's maybe, that's interesting in and of itself in one way, but in another, (laughs) it isn't. And I think, look, it's something that we would have expected that there was a lot of Selection that were made pretty much ahead of the double game income with nothing else in mind. And so it's not surprising that players with good fixtures, the likes of Marcus Rashford and Ralph Jimenez and Bruno Fernandes, are leading the charge in terms of transfers in, along with Matt Doherty there amongst defenders. But of course, then curiously, I guess, and maybe a legacy of the weekend and people setting up ahead of time, uh, it's Nick Pope who's actually the most transferred in defender or goalkeeper, even though he has obviously just uh, conceded a shed load of goals on Monday against Manchester City.
0: Yeah, I thought about as kind of something that's happened before tonight. I guess the fact is, I mean, we and we have kind of marked this a few times in terms of defenses being well drilled and well kind of um, uh, familiar with each other's movements. And I think having match sharpness and not having that match sharpness in Burnie's case could be a big issue, given the fact as well the paucity of that squad. Dyche named two less than the full bench. I think it was loads of kids. And and I think there's lots of contract disputes and things going on there as well. Yes, huge contractual
1: issues going on for, I think, you know, close to our first team players that are uh, currently in dispute at that team. Certainly. And I think with with Pope especially,
0: there's literally the casuals um, purchasing process, which is literally, I haven't got a goalkeeper I'm going to take him out. Who do I replace him with? Who's the top scoring goalkeeper? There we go. I'll buy him. That's why Pope, I think, is doing pretty well. Uh, as, as probably you could have guessed, Henderson um, with 115,000 transfers and Leno close to 100,000 transfers out um, are two uh, appearing in the top five transfers out. Um, elsewhere, it's Aubameyang who dropped overnight. Uh, we've got to have something to say about him in a minute. Uh, Kun Aguero, I think just off the back of not appearing in the first game. Um, I'm not sure if that too much of this is a reaction to just what's happened this evening, although it does look like he's been injured. And, um, Man City Extra have just tweeted saying that he felt discomfort when he turned on his knee and will undergo tests to find out the exact extent of his injury. That's from his mouthpiece, actually, Jose Alvarez. So could well be the end of Aguero for this year. Don't be surprised to see a few, a few Jesus transfers popping in. And finally, you've got Jack Grealish as well, who, as I said, was as useful as a rotten fish. He was just so deployed so poorly by Dean Smith that yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised again to see people getting rid of him, bombing him out of their teams. 110,000 sales for Jack Grealish too.
1: Yeah, and maybe just flying back quickly to the transfers in, we're seeing quite a lot of uh, transfers in for Spurs attackers. So even Harry Kane is sneaking into the top six for transferred in for forwards. But amongst midfielders, both Son and Bergwijn are in the top five transferred in. And that's, of course, ahead of them playing against West Ham on Tuesday night, who didn't exactly start well, did they? No, no, they did not. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> so there's nothing particularly surprising about the market forces this week. And I, I guess kind of we've all lived through it, and it's been really good to see FPL back well maybe you're not too happy to see FPL back Anthony but I think the you know, majority of us have loved the kind of the, the sweet broken dream that FPL provides <laughs> in that like it just, I don't know it, it just, it's just it's just all the ups and downs all the kind of the sadomasochism behind FPL as well it's, it's brilliant to see it back it, it was really cool to kind of see it all come back to life again that's for sure even if the outcome wasn't quite what we all wanted Right, to move on to next week, which I'm guessing is probably a bit happier for you, Anthony. Um, we are going to talk about kind of a few things that we've noticed and kind of use Nick's wildcard as a basis for what we're going to talk about. I um, said already, I'm very sorry Nick can't be with us. Although he would be if he could, but he sort of had something come up. And as I said, it really does feel like that old scout cast where Mark Southern's put his wildcard in and the guys tore it apart. But he wasn't there. He couldn't defend himself. Obviously, we're not going to do that. We're going to be a bit more objective. Uh, As a result of this sort of change in focus, we're going to talk around key things that have come up and then sort of tie it in with Nick's team. So for each bit, we'll say, here's who Nick's going with and how this all fits together. Obviously, we've only got one week's worth of data to work with. So we'll blend evidence with assumptions a little bit more here than we normally would. We trust you're smart enough to work out and weigh how you interpret our assertions for yourselves. The first things to talk about, um, we mentioned them briefly in the market forces or Bamiyang. So FPL Clara asked, what on earth? I'm, I'm sure he didn't write earth, but I think I might have at that. Do we do Looking at the heat maps, he didn't do very much. And it's still a kind of a vague hope of promise in the face of very little evidence that means we're keeping him. And uh, Nick himself is actually keeping Aubameyang in his wildcard. He writes, he stays Southampton Norwich up next. It feels foolish to get rid, despite the blank, but he was extremely active. Seven goal attempts, more than any four this week. Only Dr. House, Dr. Hawes, <laughs> did more uh, for Aston Villa. So yeah, Aubameyang, Um Bit of a cause for division during the community as well um, this week. I did a little poll earlier on today And 1,700 votes, so we can pretty much say that's conclusive, can't we? Took part in this poll, answering, what are you doing? Would you keep him or bin him? 43% said they'd be keeping him, and 57% said they'd be binning him. And there was a whole range of responses, you know, from, get rid, he's absolutely terrible, I I don't feel bad about getting rid of him at all, I don't even care if he scores, all the way to, oh, you know, all the experienced managers are going to be keeping hold of him, and those people who sold are all going to be trolled, lol. So, yeah, a range of responses there. Anthony Aubameyang, He's absolutely troll G. What are you going to do with him?
1: You've been saying all that and you've just been watching me in the camera in the corner just pulling at my hair with anger and rage. Um, Look, the thing about Aubameyang is that in spite of the fact that if you look at any of the shot stats, you can take shots on target, you can take shots in the box, you can take standard just shots, you can take XG, you can take non-pen XG, Aubameyang is in the top 10 or 15 for all of those stats. Not particularly good for a striker of that cost. But the fact of the matter is that he is second in the division for goals scored. And we, there, there's no way you can ignore that. Like, no matter what, he picks up the goals. And when Arsenal, even if it is Arsenal, and they're going and playing against Southampton, who, in spite of a solid victory, did give up chances to Norwich, who have scored less than any other team in the division, they should bounce back, especially because this is a game now where it matters less than it would typically matter because they probably are categorically out of the race for the Champions League and they need to respond to their criticism and they're unlikely as well to be hit on all fronts by injuries and COVID-19. Again, like they, they, they did have a perfect storm against them as well in spite of the fact that it's Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's Norwich that they're playing after that, of course. And as Nick has said, Norwich are bad. Um, they're one of the worst defences in the league as well. They're I think, the second worst in terms of goals conceded and they're poor in terms of every other shot or defensive metric as well. And he also is owned by 25% of teams. So if he's the most sold person this week, he's still going to smash you if he finds the net. And because so much of his Arsenal teammates are poor, he tends to get a fair nice whack of the bonus points as well when he does actually score. It's very hard to sell him. But I'd love to sell him.
0: I think you fit into the third option. I realised I should have put in, which was suggested by FPL, a sheepish, which was that I'm keeping him reluctantly because I've got other things to sort out. You know, you said you've got United to kind of deal with. You have know, got Leno, Egan, all these people. They've all got other things to sort out. So like Aubameyang just stays. And then, but if you had nothing better to do, maybe two, free transfers, you'd be like, yeah, he's gone regardless.
1: Well, honestly, um, he he may fund like some sort of minus eight, like. <laughs> tear off all oh,
0: nice. to the wall ah, yeah. <laughs> give it all up just do it and um, I, i'm 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 actually in the same boat as you and um, i will give voice to people who are on the other side of it but just to kind of lay out what i think i am going to be keeping him he does have the two good games there is an element of fear, of course. How many times have we seen "But I kept the faith and was rewarded" uh, happen as, as a gloaty sort of tweet? Once, once your guy scores after everyone's sold, uh, there's a few counterfactuals I think of Aubameyang that are worth bearing in mind. So, if he was to score this week, obviously this would be a moot point. His stats for this game week, as we've cited, are really, really good. Like he topped basically all the measures. I think maybe the City players may have. Boshed them off a little bit. Um, but I mean all of these numbers would have been used as a way of pushing him forward, as an option, by lots of accounts. Um, And by lots of people in in the social sphere, if he wasn't already widely owned. And that's definitely true. Um, I mean, watching the games, yeah, it it wasn't that that lots of the attempts weren't the best quality attempts, that's for sure. Um, I think his XG was, what, 0.69, which was pretty low quality, despite the volume of chances he was getting. And I also saw there's a few reservations about the fixture pile up and don't understand where they're coming from. They seem to be a case of kind of confirming your biases around. A player, like as a sidebar, I just I hate the rotation argument in general without knowing the result. Even though we saw that tonight with Van City, like it's it's similar to my disdainer in the season. Like I just think spouting truisms just isn't isn't and isn't value because you're basically you're saying, oh yeah, this player could be rotated. Well, that's the same to me as basically saying Mo Salah's a good FPL asset. Like, it's basically obvious like, it doesn't add anything
1: it look but, like water is wet but like sorry to cut you through but like, the fact of the matter is, is that like southampton and norwich are going to have to rotate as well and to be perfectly honest with you the idea of Bamiyan coming up against some second second tier norwich defender in two games time is frankly terrifying the idea of arsenal <laughs> who do have a better bench then Southampton, Southampton or Norwich, they're going to be able to create chances against a fatigue team. So maybe rest and rotation is going to feed in his favor. It's just the, like there is an element of you can use rest and rotation to beat whatever argument you want for the next few game weeks. Like that is how this, this game is going to be set up. And I feel like that the divisive nature of FPL commentary, where it is effectively who do you own, who do you not own? And therefore you will make your arguments thusly is going to be kind of exacerbated by that particular facet of the world we live in right now.
0: Exactly. I mean, one of the best ways to look at this, if you, if you do want to look into it, is just to look at the last two Christmases on transfer market because you've got a similarly condensed time frame. And, you know, in Aubameyang's case, he started every game over Christmas. Um, so, I mean, there are, there are also kind of a few bits and pieces that about Aubameyang as well, that this, the element of it can, resulting. Um, so, obviously, a few pods this week I've noticed have gone on my behavioral science patch. Get off, guys, get off. Um, but I've spoken about this in the past, like judging the decision process quality-wise outcome Rather than the thinking that went into it, like I do think it was a it was a logical pit to put Aubameyang in for the reasons I spoke about last week. But it's important to note, of course, that I'm just confirming my own biases here too. The points that I've made could be spun in the other direction, which I'm guessing is what people might be saying. So I said at the very beginning, if he scored, this would be a moot point. It's obviously a very reasonable comeback that, well, he didn't score. Um, His stats did, as I mentioned, and the stats do look quite good. The analog ones do. But the stats can also say that he's wasteful. So he had all of those shots, as I mentioned, an XG of 0.69, despite the volume, just suggests that he's getting low quality. It's It's
1: like the people who are celebrating the fact that they own Joe Linton or Christian Pulisic now. Like, you couldn't (laughs) possibly have known he was going to play or to do play well. (laughs) Who, Who owned Joe Linton? Oh, there was somebody I saw on Twitter. Yeah, so it's literally one, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they are the profit now, though, of course. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a valid point, finally, with Aubameyang, to say that Arsenal is shocking. Yeah, I accept that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm keeping, and I'm hoping that he punishes Sellers to coin a very original term. I think overall with Aubameyang, is a case of don't buy, don't sell. Um, I think that that's genuinely where he is and where he And lives. don't captain. And don't captain, apart from at Norwich, I'm probably going to put myself through that as a final thing and then get rid of him shifting out somebody else. Um, Probably can keep with these two, rightly or wrongly. But elsewhere then, forward picks, who looks hot or not. FPL Sizz asks, is Vardy worth the outlay? Noting that DCL looks brightly, Ings was sharp. Jesus got some minutes and obviously got an assist. Um, I'm not sure whether he intentionally got an assist tonight, but he he got one. Uh, Rashford's surely incoming. Uh, Jimenez, season keeper. (sighs) I mean, Nick's gone for the jar front line because we love an here at WGTA. So he's gone for um, Jimenez, uh, says he's excellent this season, quality in front of goal against West Ham, uh, leading all metrics for forwards this season in terms of goal attempts, 103, shots inside the box, chances created, Bournemouth up next. And I think Nick said he's going to captain him. And uh, Rashford uh, with Fernandez, um, he's basically using the two as a double up. He really likes the fact that they're playing weak and cheap United defence next week with no um, Egan, no Dean Henderson and maybe no Jack O'Connor. As well, so yeah, he he quite likes those. How many? How many strikers are there? Not that many, and it's just a case of what kind of suits your team, right?
1: Like there is probably about eight strikers I think that you could make an argument for um, in various shapes and forms and it is definitely team dependent like you think about Jamie Vardy and like look okay he struggled to get into the into Leicester's game over the weekend but Leicester definitely didn't look as dead as they had done pre-break um, Vardy only had the one real effort against Watford only 19 touches but this is his game style we're so used to the, the idea that Vardy gets one, two, three chances in the game and he may well score all three of them he'll probably score one of them maybe not in the last six months, but six months, that's including the three month COVID break, of course. So not since Christmas. Um, But look, brilliant player. And, and Leicester's fixtures, like after the Brighton game upcoming, they're they're playing a lot of these mid-table mid on-the-beach teams that we've identified previously. Now, none of them had kind of the litmus tests required in the first game week back to kind of say whether they are on the beach or not, except for Burnley, who, of course, were pretty shocking. So maybe Palace and everything are going to kind of fall into similar categories as well. So, like, Siz was asking about Vardy, is he worth the Like, Possibly. It's just, you're probably avoiding maybe an abamyang against in these pretty good fixtures or Saving money to put into the midfield, where there's loads of choice.
0: I don't mind Vardy as you said. There's eight strikers you could make a case for owning. Frankly, um, but I mean Vardy's one goal to a hundred, isn't he? Uh, that's a case of motivation. Um, and just a third of his total have been against the top six in any given season. Admittedly, he only plays uh, Arsenal, who let's face it, on top six club. Tottenham aren't top six club, and Spurs and Sheffield United who are only nominally a top six club at this point. Um, towards the end of the season, still, you know, could be pretty huge, and he's still got that kind of dead team ownership as we know Rogers has curtailed his movement he's no longer pressing the flanks he's just sticking to the central position and waiting for chances so I mean he wasn't too hot was he against Watford but if they do kind of sort it out he could well be a very very, valid option
1: he wasn't too hot but I I just don't think it was that unusual of a performance nevertheless from him and I thought that oh no definitely not and Leicester overall was they struggled to really get the shots up like they were, They had the control of the game but they weren't necessarily getting shots in until I think their first shot on target was like the 75th or something um, but even still you, you, I didn't necessarily think there was a huge amount of, thing, of discouragement from that apart from the fact that Barry didn't of course score um, looking at like, the other strikers that are there DCL he did look sprightly that's as much as you can ask against Liverpool. Like the fact of the matter is, is most strikers, if they look sprightly against Liverpool, that's been a pretty good performance for them all this season. Um, it's Norwich next as well for him, and like it's tempting for if you have if you have him in your team for for example, if you're one of the people who are wildcarding right now, you it would be very tempted to keep him, give him his price, and you have him already. And Everton were Everton motivated for the derby itself that they played reasonably well against Liverpool. Yeah, they were quite good. Or are they actually motivated? Like they were a team that we, you, and I had identified pre-return of football as a side that maybe would play well because there was no pressure. Because that's a typical everything thing to do, <laughs> and we saw that last season. And yeah. I'm wondering: is you know the prophecy now going to come through? And like Norwich is a pretty good game to happen for.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I've seen a, a, a few people and I think about this myself, uh, think about captaining uh, Calvert-Lewin or maybe captaining Richarlison against Norwich. That, that's a great outside shout given how bad they looked when um, they hate Richarlison's stack. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean,
1: eyes, <laughs> eyes widen here in the background, like Richarlison! <laughs> I
0: know. Uh, but, but Calvert-Lewin himself, 66% of his goals have come under Ancelotti, so you know, things have really turned around. Um, and The last five games, I think, including, and including this game, all of his shots have been the Box um, and he's got a pretty decent next year as well. Uh, Six point five million—that's a pretty ridiculous price. If he can continue the form that he was showing, you said Liverpool solid. That game was uh, kind of petered out, didn't it? In the sixtieth minute, seventieth minute. I just—I said to someone, "Oh, that's going to be nil-nil." And um, kind of after fifty-eight minutes, and so it proved. Um, yeah. Uh, I think for his value, 6.5 million is just great. And if you have you know, designs on like, midfielders, like we're going to mention in a minute, um, then DCL is the man to own. Um, without rehashing last week's pod too much, there's a few other options. So um, obviously Jimenez, the postman, um, he actually has exceeded last season's goal return uh, with a strike versus West Ham, which is 14th. He scored 13 last season. And he's just so template. But that's for a reason, as you heard, Nick's captaining him. And uh, yeah, you know, like Danny Ings, um, again, reminding us of his potency against Norwich. Got a very up and down, sort of victualist, but the episteme of a talisman, him. And Marcus Rashford, who is now being bought in by a lot of people. I think he was top of market forces, wasn't he? A lot of disgruntled Lobam Yang owners going straight to him. So with every passing week, there will be a greater threat um, of him returning. Uh, yeah, he's up to 15.5% ownership now. So he was at 9.6% not very long ago so you, you can see the only thing already creeping um, but a talisman returning from injury he is their top scorer and a good bonus hog as well is a good little stat that I noted so he got before the game against Tottenham in, over his last five games he's recorded 26 bonus points in 23 games so 1.1 bonus per game so basically you're looking at a player who starts with an extra point pretty damn cool I, I think I'm looking at Rushford at some point uh, maybe Arthur Aubameyang plays Norwich it's just it's just an interesting time isn't it especially with, with so many of those strikers floating around
1: this is it like not to pull a- back and forward a bit but like the thing with calvert Loon, for example is he's a bit like Raul Jimenez in that he does present a threat as both a goal scorer and as someone who can provide assists to his teammates usually with Charleston in fairness um, and that's what's you know perhaps what's so interesting about him and then Danny Ings is somebody I think that we all three of us perhaps overlooked on the last podcast um, yeah Look, I'll happily hold my hands up on that one um, but like he had 42 touches at the weekend um, five shots one goal one assist that's a pretty good return and he has nothing to fear in his next two games against Arsenal especially who no longer have Leno and uh, Watford who haven't been great defensively all season they tend to concede at least one goal per game they've only I think nine clean sheets all season something like that
0: Oh, so many options so little time it really does depend on your team but you'll definitely find what you need within the conversation of the guys we've just spoken about and uh, moving on to midfield then um, again without rehashing too much of last week's pod I think that there are definitely some things that we can be looking at uh, the first thing to talk about is just Villa quickly so Grealish the top midfielder being sold Uh, Stags waving his Irish flag. Um, But yeah, God, the tactics in that game were terrible, weren't they? The Chelsea game. That's so bad. Like, Gorillas was giving Kane a run for his money and playing deep. Like, he was tracking Alonso rather than the opposite way round, which made no sense. Like, Dean Smith, why blunt your? Best attacking weapon and make him deep. It's just crazy, isn't it? Really? Like McGinn does the box to box retrieval and Jack stays forward and makes things happen. Absolutely mind boggling. Another fun stat I noticed this week Keenan Davis, 4.3 million, 0.87 XG. Lol. So what's Nick doing? Nick is going for a 4-3-3, so he's uh, sacking off two midfield slots. Uh, one's going to Armstrong, who admittedly did pretty well, and Nick says he'll be a useful player off the bench. Uh, he's got four goals and seven apps for Saints, and he's got Guendouzi, the David Luiz Jr., um, as the bench fodder. And midfield, the midfield three main three are KDB, Sadio Mane, and Bruno Fernandes. But of Mane, uh, particularly Nick, says he can't trust Salah because he's just, you know, He's got all these fitness sort of concerns about him, and Mane he says seems the best way to go. He doesn't think he's going to give him the captaincy against Crystal Palace, but there's good games for 33, to 35, and Mane's been excellent all season, and he feels it's too risky to go without one of the Liverpool
1: attackers. Midfield, then, what do you think? feel like Nick has kind of nailed it in some senses with the big three that he has there I think it would be quite foolhardy to go without one of those two Liverpool attackers unfortunately I'm kind of you know I feel like a lot of us at this point have so much value tied up that if you're stuck on one of them it's going to be quite hard to escape and move to the other so I'm stuck with Salah who may or may not be injured for the next game. Put it that way. Uh, then there's also Bruno Fernandes. I think that's a pretty much a clear choice. It was even actually. It should be noted the difference that came into Manchester United when Paul Pogba came off the bench the other day. But at the same time, Fernandes posed a threat throughout and was quite impressive. His like, it's everything we've said before. His threat all around yeah. is. In, like, it's just brilliant, and obviously, penalties. Uh, Rashford would have taken the second one, they did admit. Um, but still, Fernandez penalties, good. This is the thing, isn't it? I think in the midfield, there are so many good options. Again, you have the likes of Son, who hasn't necessarily come up in the discussion so far, but who, of course, could do particularly well for Spurs as they have a lot of important games coming up. There are quite a lot of enabler, kind of mid price midfielders at Chelsea, the likes of Pulisic and Mount that we haven't discussed yet.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm very glad that the hamburger pick mount didn't come through because that would have been absolutely terrible. After I completely destroyed him on the pod last week, like I think there was one moment in the first half where I was, I literally jumped up um, and was about to go and hide behind the sofa, but luckily Neuland with a fantastic save. I mean, yeah, as you said, there's again quite a few options. Uh, Man United in general, um, you could easily make a case that in all three of the midfield options that are available there, in Bruno, Pogba, and maybe lazy man Martial. Um, Bruno, as you said, yeah, just looking pretty damn good. I think he's kind of moved into the Jimenez sort of postman of FPL bracket. I think he got 0.86 xg against Spurs, but obviously not with him five of that came as a penalty, but nonetheless, five shots at goal, three on target and 0.22 XA, which is pretty good. And Pogba came on looked pretty good. As you said, for 20, 20 minutes, he got there's one tick, a very, very nice pass out to the side. And, uh, it's worth noting that in terms of Man United's fixtures that remain, they're all pretty damn good. Um, Sheffield United normally would be a bit worrying. However, Sheffield United don't have Dean Henderson or Jenny. And I think before Newcastle, Man United were the only team to put three three or more goals past Sheffield United, which is testament probably to how important uh, Dean uh, Dean Henderson is to them. But none of the teams that they face, apart from uh, Leicester on the final day, are currently in the top six towards the end last season uh, Pogba 18 27 when again they played none of the top teams he scored 95 points in 10 games back then so there's definitely the potential uh, for him to do something especially with the cast list, that is Bruno Fernandes elsewhere Anthony Martial I just forgot he's on the field to be honest he's just not a player who's going to benefit from a Mourinho game and I think that that may keep him as a quiet sort of asset like in that sort of game with a world-world Mourinho team You need to work hard to find spaces and to get those chances. Martial isn't going to do that. But against those sorts of teams they've got coming up, he could well be a nice little kind of dark horse, third United pick. That said, though, probably that space goes to Rashford alongside Bruno and maybe one of the defenders, right? Um, With Pogba being a bit more of an outside pick. But yeah, quite a lot of interest there as well, especially in terms of who Pogba's going to replace. Is it going to be Fred? Is it going to be McTom? We just don't know.
1: Yeah, and like we haven't even discussed um, the other Man City picks. Like Riyad Mahrez, who of course ends up stealing the show in the double game week, and you know we're quickly brushing over the fact that he's had such a good game week. But the fact of the matter is, he's one of the very few players who've scored over fifteen points uh, multiple times this season. Yeah, and he's done it three times now. Uh, So, like, really, really remarkable kind of stuff from him. And he just keeps continually a differential as well because of the fear that comes with him, and maybe. It's it's just so hard to predict that city Maybe Nicola Pepe is kind of in a similar kind of category to him, that there's a huge ceiling there, but the disappointments are so, so disappointing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And. Um, no we can just keep going on about this forever couldn't we you know the likes of Son as you mentioned Berg, Wine—the only one of the only guys you can do two emojis for so to note their name um, also great PSV he was really good on FIFA but I imagine him being in change for Lucas uh, there's, one, there's one differential I want to mention Pulisic um, so obviously he came off the bench and scored and I know he's burned a lot of people in the past but his movement did look very good and he scored took his goal well um, Lampard um, afterwards praised him said he was looking hungry uh, which is a very very good sign um, I think there was definitely an element of kind of personal motivation we spoke about last week and the week before about him and a lot of the fixtures for Chelsea are pretty good plus there's a really kind of kind price point there I think the ownership as well is going to be pretty damn low 3.8% owned at 6.9 million yeah that's not bad at all and um, could be one of those sort of powerful differentials you could use and I know that was a good effect to some people this week
1: Anything else? Nah, like it's, it's as we say, we could really go around laps forever on midfielders. There's there are so many good choices, and I think it is that once you have your one Liverpool one, I think a minimum Bruno Fernandes and possibly a second United player to you know to capitalize on their fixtures, and from there I think you need to kind of start considering differentials if you're not too happy with how you're doing. So you like yeah. basically we've identified them. You, there's nothing. Yeah.
0: bad. I think next for free, KDB Mane and Bruno is just. Oh, that's just the perfect free given what we know at the moment. Um, I think that just kind of just focuses in tightly on the three guys who look the most productive. I mean, maybe you want another maybe another another big ticket differential like a son or something, but you can see why it's gone that way.
1: Yeah, it's it's very it's a good one for consolidating a pretty strong rank that Nick has, especially after um, a one hundred and sixteen point barnstormer. So let's move on further back. Um, defenders is big at the back. The thing we should be looking at now, Tom. So James Kyrle, our good friend of the show, says the first round of fixtures has seen a higher number of clean sheets than were expected. James thinks. And does he? Is this down to rustiness? And will this cagey approach continue? or should we be looking so that does that mean we should be looking at defenders from the likes of Wolves, United, City, Chelsea, everything just the big teams basically that we can fit in to try and capitalize on this maybe earlier in the season the budget defenders were the way to go especially I guess Sheffield United incarnate on that but perhaps those that is starting to change.
0: In the first instance we were looking at players coming back to fitness We're looking at players coming back to a sense of match sharpeners and especially in the first half like I think it it just became a bit of a running joke after all, that it's going to be nil-nil at half time, no matter what so there's no point in watching the first half just come back and watch the final kind of half now because that's where the action lies I don't know, this cagey approach I think is is a mixture of two things one is the lack of intensity I think we saw the average number of challenges went down in the Bundesliga between pre and post restart, didn't it?
1: We did, yeah, and we also saw the clean sheets go up like this as well
0: Yeah, exactly and I mean, at the moment we we haven't got too much data to run with Um, just to say as well that Nick, surprisingly for him actually not go big at the back he's actually gone fairly light at the back surprisingly so he's gone for CAA obviously rights. Um he's got Holgate who's a bargain at 4.3 decent chance for a clean sheet against Norwich um, but other than that he's gone for Sice because he can't reach uh, Matt uh, doherty and uh, soyonshu at uh, leicester and um, he says that he's also good to have the great run of fixtures but i mean the, the data that we've seen this week just kind of underlines how funny this is and how difficult it is to kind of pick out the big at the back so i mean as per the people were kind of slapping their heads and going oh i should have, should have thought about him so he got two assists right 0.25 XA, so very low quality chances are created. Matt Doherty, I was very happy about that. 0.08 XA on that assist. (laughs) Wow. Um, And uh, who's a dominant force this week? H- uh, Courtney House, uh, eight attempts, one point six five xg, lol, monster, four point four million. Yeah, this again, okay, this just shows the fact that if you've got one week's data, you can just—it's very difficult to draw any conclusions about them. The only one that I m- might mention actually here is Luke Dean. Um, I thought he looked pretty good um, against Liverpool, and he was the star of last year's late game with fifty-nine points. He's got the set pieces, and uh, he, yeah, he's just one of those players who has broadly been forgotten about and will only be nestling in zombie teams right now. So he, he could well differential especially with the really good games that are coming up but yeah i'm, I'm in defense again i mean do you think it's do you think big at the back is the way forward here i mean nick doesn't appear to be back in that big at the back kind of idea
1: no he doesn't i don't necessarily think that we had a higher number of clean sheets than expected in this game week and then from there i'm not sure if we can really draw many assumptions from it like the fact of the matter is, is that in the game we just gone a lot of pretty bad attacks played a lot of fairly good defenses that tend to churn out a decent number of clean sheets your crystal palaces are the perfect example of that so like these were all games where a team could have snuck one but just didn't sneak one and so i wouldn't read a huge amount into the fact that there were as many clean sheets here but i what i do think is that just because of the uh, the richness and of choice especially in midfield and especially amongst premium midfielders and because we all have to put seven odd million into trent alexander arnold i don't necessarily think that we can afford to be big at the back if we want to gain the advantages that there are going forward so like look you can buy into some of the good defenses quite cheaply as well especially wolves for example Sheffield united and burnley who of course have had such a bad game against city but who across this season have been quite strong that once you have your trent and let's say doherty or another elite defender maybe a um Harry Maguire might be a pretty good choice given his fixture run and his yeah, his, his threat to goal. I have him as well in my team. His threat to goal is there all the time too. It just hasn't necessarily been realised over the course of his time at United <laughs> so far. Yeah. Um, there are some so, there are so many good options there that I don't think you need to go big at the back. Uh, Dina is an interesting choice there that you could have, but
0: yeah, uh, I think I think with with Nick, I think that. He's maybe a little bit light. He's a little bit lighter than I would have gotten in the wild card, put it that way. But Nick's been yeah. better than me, and he's done better than me for the last couple of years. So, what do I know, huh? Um, yeah. Uh, and the final thing is goalkeepers. Um, so, Fabulous asks, what do we do with Leno? Um, Nick goes for Pope and Emmy. Uh, martinez that is not bendia and he says bugger all in his email which pretty much says it all it's, as we say every time really kind of straightforward subjects so i just say spend as little as possible and um, what you can do with leno who you can replace him
1: with do you have a bench keeper that you can that you can bring in? yeah like look i'm a perfect example of this like i have alex mccarthy i i'm not in any rush to uh, swap things up there are so many bigger fires in my crap team um but like look if if it's, it, it's a serious injury, it seems, to Leno, so you're probably going to need to replace him. If you don't have a good sub, get another keeper. <laughs> if you can get by any of more important moves, do them. So it's yep. team-dependent.
0: Yeah, I'm rolling with Alex McCarthy as well, just for this game week. Uh, incredibly, after fears that he would have been dropped, he showed up and got a clean sheet. And um, I mean, it is Arsenal, so, and it is Aubameyang, and we have talked up Aubameyang, so I guess we're just kind of ensuring ourselves against that eventual blank and hoping for a clean sheet somewhere. Who knows? So next team then is uh, Pope Martinez in goal. At the back, it's TAA, Holgate, Sice Soyonchu, and Jack Robinson is a 4.0 filler. Uh, in midfield, it's Kevin De Bruyne, Sadio Mane, Bruno Fernandes, Armstrong and Guendouzi. And up front, it's the jar. It's Jimenez, Aubameyang and Rashford. Uh, so, yeah, a, a fairly strong team there. Um, and Alan, um, FPL Toddler, asks us about this as well. He says that, you know, all, all wildcard teams are looking pretty similar right now. I mean, with all due respect to Nick, this is probably an incredibly template wildcard team as things stand. So he asked, what picks would you make that may not necessarily feature in everybody else's wildcard? He asked about three hit picks in terms of the wild card, but I think this works both ways. Like, what differentials would we go for? Because, I mean, if Nick was here, I'd, I'd ask him what differentials do you think there are there. And I'm sure he'd say the whole team is differential because he's clever like that. But what, what are there any differentials that we would throw in if we were making the wild cards um, at the moment?
1: I, I think I've I've tried to identify three. I've maybe focused more on people who are free-hitting, who are obviously a vast minority, but we'll move forward anyway. Uh, Jamie Vardy is certainly one of them. We've discussed him already previously. Brighton this weekend, no fixtures to fear with a player of his quality. He will get his chances. And I think just overall that Leicester team are replenished and I, I don't see his drought, which is not been a full drought but close to a full drought since uh, sometime around Christmas I don't expect to continue uh, Ishmael Asar, who is a player that I've always been a big fan of um, away to Burnley this weekend and then Watford fighting there for their survival of course have plenty to play for and in both a personal and a team sense um, he had a good chance against Leicester at the weekend saved well by Casper Schmeichel and he also provided quite a lot of great crosses to uh, nobody effectively um, but look I think that um, as we've already seen with him against Liverpool and in a few other games this season he has quite a high ceiling perhaps on the Pulisic uh, kind of trend there but maybe more consistent minutes across this season and probably more important to his team my other recommendation maybe is Matt Ritchie and perhaps there's a bang of Monday morning quarterback or general fighting the last war to this pick but okay i will accept that if you want to say that but he's out of position playing as a midfielder corners Puts in lots of crosses. Bit of a goal threat too, as we saw at the weekend. Just a good mm-hmm. player overall. Newcastle aren't exactly out of the woods yet in the relegation fight. Why not?
0: Yeah, no, I get you. Uh, Matt Ritchie high scored last week for defenders. Point two seven XG, 0.008, um, 0.08, sorry XA. So both those returns were utterly unexpected and probably were due to the red card. But, you know, as you say, he's out of position. So you've got to buy a ticket to win the lottery, don't you? So... For, yeah I, I think those make sense um, I've already been littering in my picks throughout this um, so I'd probably be looking at the likes of Pulisic um, looking at the likes of Luca Dean um, and probably be looking at I mean it's not really differential is it but I'd probably be looking at Marcus Rashford if I could so I completely concur with Nick putting him in um, but you know, as it stands I'm, I'm a bit surprised Nick hasn't gone with Calvert-Lewin as well I think that would be yeah you know, I would say toss one. in
1: toss in your Everton attackers I think um, given everything we've said all season there in the last few weeks about uh, Everton perhaps being the team to watches nothing matters anymore
0: yeah certainly and then I guess kind of you know I know you hate your man Richardson, but he's definitely kind of worth a mention there as well um up front with uh, Calvert-Lewin obviously a bit of a luxury differential given the fact that they both kind of offer the same thing uh, but Richardson's more expensive and takes up one of those valuable kind of premium-ish midfield spots but again could be a really really good differential if you are on your free hit Cool. All right, so hopefully that was useful to you in terms of you know picking your wildcard teams or picking your free-hit teams. I promise next week we will get Nick on, uh, sorry, on Thursday, actually, we will get Nick on to talk about his team in a bit more detail. Anyway, let's take a break there and we'll be back uh, to discuss uh, the Mini League update, actually, before we take some questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back. Yes, it's time to look at the WGCA Mini League. And um, as I'm not here... Anthony, because I can't pronounce Anthony properly.
1: Um, Would you mind
0: looking (laughs) at the mini league and telling us who's doing well?
1: Thank you very much, Nicholas. Um, so there's been quite a lot of moving, actually, in our top 10, which we haven't obviously updated in quite some time. Um, tenth is uh, Declan Rin, who is down from fifth. His team, Wesley Crushers, is on 1,898 points, which is enough on Live FPL to bring you to right uh, 17th in Ireland. He captained De Bruyne and picked up 98 points, but that wasn't enough given how much movement there was in the... Uh, the top 10 here to even hold 5th so he's down to 10th uh, in ninth, it's FPL Lewis with return of the snag 1,904 points 109 points this week bench boosting as well with De Bruyne a captain in 8th up from 14th is Adam Warner with Burry 94 1,906 points and 115 points this week bench boosting as well De Bruyne a captain this bit of a trend here Joint 6th is Andre Dicos with legend Lampard with 1,909 points 112 this week bench boost De Bruyne surprise surprise in sixth, down from third is Mark Bird, which all rhymes. Tweety Dreamers, 1,909 points, 95 this week with De Bruyne a captain. Up from eighth is Andreas Tangström with Syndicate. Hit spelt differently to how you might think it's spelt with 1,911 points 116 this week of strong performance there bench boost and Sterling captain for a bit of variation down from second to a joint third is Luke Burgess Lukewarm FC 1,912 points 84 only this week which was almost as bad as me Aguero captain part of the reason for that Uh, joint third as well with him is Jake Gallagher with Sheffield Wednesday with a CH that's 1,912 points too, 83 this week he free-hitted and had Aguero captain so that was a bit unfortunate. Up from 10th to 2nd is Damir Deftorevic with Dam's 15, 1,919 points, 125 points this week. Um, He bench boosted and had De Bruyne So Damir had uh, obviously a number of players who scored well there, aside from his uh, De Bruyne captaincy, he had Bruno Fernandes, he had Enda Stevens in there, who still had seven points in spite of his horror show, Lundström, TAA, Ederson in goals actually, 12 points, Uh, Jimenez, Aguero, Leno, Bali, Target and Norwood, all providing returns as well um, on his bench boost. And up in first is Monil Jaravi uh, up from fourth he, his team, the cop 1,934 points game week points 131 he bench boosted and he had uh, De Bruyne captain as well he had Dean Henderson Alexander Arn Lundstrom Egan Grealish Sterling De Bruyne he also had Mares, which is the key here he had El Ghazi Aubameyang Jimenez Leno Puki, Target and Bolly to round out that team so very strong performance there and he's flying well done, MJ.
0: Um, right. OK. Um, so moving on to the questions then um, this week. Um, we've honed them down um, from the awful lot that we did get um, to just just uh, three or four this week. Uh, the first ones are kind of general takes. We're going to combine the, a couple together in terms of general takes. Um, so Jeremy Lewis says it looks like you know, all the top teams performed, as we've said, minus Arsenal, of course. But are they a top team? Probably not. And the bottom teams didn't. Um, do you expect that to continue given their squad strength? Um, and should we be looking for players some top teams and throwing kind of these lower half talisman like uh, Jack uh, Grealish, Callum Wilson, Timmy Puki out the window? And uh, regrets we've had, a, we've had a few can be rolled into this. So Martin H asks if there's any players we tip before the restart we regret mentioning. So um, I think this is an interesting one because on podcast normally what you do is you kind of keep rolling, you keep plowing forward and you never really look back and think that was an absolutely crap pick. What was I thinking? What was I saying? Why did I say that to people? I hope that people didn't, didn't listen to me. However, I think that that's kind of uh, resulting as well. So that's, as I said earlier on with end kind of saying, you know what, okay, the outcome wasn't very good. Therefore, the decision-making process was bad. That's not entirely true. I think for a lot of these picks, like we, we do a lot of work in terms of kind of looking at them objectively to try to at least give, you, give them a mention. And we do push the onus back on you actively to try to make that analysis, make a decision for yourself. That said, there is a couple of things that I probably would, would kind of look at again. And did, you did mention one earlier on, which was that we... All three of us, I think, neglected to look at Danny Ings. I think that you know, we were too busy looking around and maybe there was an element of the hamburger with Danny Ings. Maybe he did have kind of that beef patty over his face and I just, just couldn't see that there was a bit a bit more there to be considered than there was. And, and going for Pookie, I think maybe was a bit of a nostalgia pick, really. I mean, he should have got an assist. He really should have. Like, Dermich just absolutely fluffed his lines. Uh, but that being said, I mean, Pookie hadn't scored an open play for an awfully long time. I think it was on election day, wasn't it? I saw a, a ridiculous measure of time saying that that was time awesome. He scored a goal in open play. He scored two goals in 11. I think that that was probably a little bit too hopeful to think that Norwich would turn it around. After all, they had been crap. And I, I think, you know, even that there was time off. I just, I just don't. I think that was probably uh, just, just praying a bit more, and doesn't really, isn't really normally what I, what I try to do. So I think maybe that was a bad one. And Jack Grealish as well felt like again, it's very easy to say this in hindsight, but I mean, it just didn't work with them, and he, he kind of smacked of being that sort of that sort of pick that everyone makes over the double game week kind of periods. Um, for obvious reasons, he was a talisman, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I wish we, I'd considered a little bit not having him in my team. I don't think there's ever any dimension that I wouldn't have had him in my team. But I really wish I gave a bit more thought to that, um, to, to not owning him. Just because it I mean, it has obviously it hasn't worked out. And if he did, it if he had worked out, it would be a moot. But yeah, I think, I mean, I, my conviction was that bit of a crap. And I really should have um, followed up on that conviction and just gone the whole hog. I think I had greedish and just as a bit of a fear pick there more than anything. So yeah, Perky being a bit too shooting for the moon and a bit too naive, almost nostalgic. And uh, Jack, I think maybe I should have kind of thought that a bit more and stuck to my bit of a crap conviction.
1: You? I think actually that maybe a trend that's all of us showed in the last pod was that we weren't rough enough on bad teams I think we all were optimistic for the likes of Villa for the likes of Bournemouth for the likes of Norwich expecting that you mentioned Pookie. I mentioned Callum Wilson uh, last week as players that we thought you know could show something and I just they they just came they they came out of the trap so disappointingly and I I thought especially actually with Norwich and I said last week that Daniel Farca being seemingly a very strong tactical manager I expected that with time to prepare and with you know the opportunity to keep his players fit etc that they could have been sharp and they could have been so much better and they just weren't and it was it was very flat and Bournemouth you kind of think with all steady Eddie that you just needed things to kind of turn around and, you know, maybe the switch, you know, the, the end of a poor streak with poor momentum would help Bournemouth. And it just, it just didn't. Um, so maybe just look, expecting more from sides that just are poor, was definitely a regret there. And I would actually, as I'm usually quite quick to uh, go in two footed on um, good teams playing badly and good players playing badly. And I didn't do that um, with Arsenal. And I should have probably been more sceptical about their assets. And I kind of felt that I didn't even have Aubameyang as a fear pick. But I think perhaps he he should have been a fear pick. Like, I should have picked him for a different reason. I'm happy I picked him, but I shouldn't have picked him for the reason I did. And that's something that disgusts me a little bit.
0: Sure. Okay, no, that certainly makes sense. I mean, maybe, obviously, the whole unprecedentedness of the situation meant that we did reconsider a few clubs. Um, I mean, if we'd have just literally said, yeah, you know what, the past kind of six, seven, eight weeks of the season before it went on lockdown is probably going to be continued on. I mean, most people would have looked at what we'd said and it's been going, you're a bit crazy. Um, But there are definitely some generalities surrounding the likes of Norwich, the likes of Bournemouth. Those clubs are still in that downward spiral, I think. I don't think that we've really seen, as Jeremy points out, uh, a real sort of... uh, inversion of form from anybody be interesting to see if that continues but but yeah maybe as you said we were a bit kind of too optimistic about there being a turnaround and for clubs to have that motivation it just didn't seem to happen so yeah there you are and I guess linked to this as well FPL Osmo asks should we be using our remaining transfers to target the league's dross the whipping boys Norwich Villa West Ham and Bournemouth I mean at this point it feels like kind of of the, I mean, Norwich are almost definitely down, aren't they? Um, but it, it kind of you know, feels like one of Aston Villa, Bournemouth, and uh, and West Ham are going to stay up just by default. Like they all look terrible, but one has to stay up. <laughs> I don't really understand how it's going to happen. But one of them, one of them does have to stay up. So it, it just looks like, as with Chelsea, somehow being in the Champions League spots, um, that one of them is going to just stay up just because the other two are so much poorer rather than them being better than the other two. All of these teams to me look like teams that are 100% worth throwing something in at. So you know, we talk about captains in a minute. If, if I did own him Son, for example, would be a fantastic dark horse captain against West Ham. Um, you know, you've know, you got, as we mentioned, Calvert-Lewin um, and Richarlison against Villa. You know, you've know, you got the likes of uh, Jimenez, Doherty against Bournemouth. Uh, it's just... My God, I think, I think it's so good when you see that there's whipping boys there to look at their fixture list and just think, right, who can I assign? Who can I tactically bring in? Who have I already got? Like This week, I'm looking all right because I've got players against those teams that I've already mentioned. But when I get two free transfers for game week 32, my lord, I'm going to be looking at those four teams and thinking, right, who they play and who can I buy? Who's the key man for them? Um, and, and doing that. Um, yeah, that's also the key reason I'm keeping with Bambiang too because they play playing Norwich in a couple of weeks. So yeah, I think the whipping boys is definitely very important because it's a game probability at the end of the day. If teams are doing badly,
1: target them. I can't can't disagree with any of that. I'd, I'd only double down and say maybe there is an aspect of we've probably always been trying to target these teams, but perhaps... We should be redoubling our efforts, let's say, to target them. And the fact that it's going to be so hard for someone like Norwich or Bournemouth or West Ham or Villa to arrest the downward spiral that they are now in. There is no time between games to change up your tactics. There is no time to rest and recover over the course of a week. You know, there's all these legendary stories of teams being allowed to go on the piss for a week or just go to the beach for a week and not train and then just turn up next weekend and you're going to be great and refreshed and it's going to be perfect. Like, there is no time for that anymore you've got games every three, four days, you're going to really struggle to get out of this. Tactically, there's going to be no time to work with you. The whole time you're going to be... Testing is going to be ongoing, as we saw with Arsenal having three positive tests or four positive tests ahead of this game week. It can happen at any time that just Mm. gets hamstrung. You kind of feel like once the look has turned against a team and the discipline probably is going to lapse as these teams go further towards relegation, things are just going to go from bad to worse. And so you do wonder if just targeting these teams, a bit like just targeting Huddersfield and Fulham a few seasons ago. Or was that just last season? I've lost that so was much last track of time. Season, yeah, yeah. Wow, it seems like about ten years ago. <laughs> um goodbye Alexander Mitrovic. Um but maybe I think more so than ever um, we should be targeting these teams. One thing I would also add before you come in Tom is that we haven't seen what a mid-table on the beach side except for Burnley looks like against a decent team yet. Um, Everton were playing the derby against Liverpool. I don't think it's fair to take that as a reference point considering it is the derby and they would have probably been you know, slandered etc 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 if they had been thrashed in that game. They couldn't put up the white flag just yet and Palace were playing as an even worse team in Bournemouth so we haven't seen what these classic on the beach mid table playing for nothing teams how they're going to do we've obviously been optimistic about Everton just because of the nature of how they've done in previous years Palace we'll see mm. and Burnley have already been crap
0: yeah no, I think it's an interesting point actually what you that you raise about intensity actually having a double a dual sort of edge to it which is that if you're doing very very well that intensity keeping the form keeping the you know the bon viveur about your team keeping that together going from game to game um, that's really cool. And it means that, you know, you can keep spirits high if you're on a downward spiral, that really is a test of that manager's ability, you know, that the 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 players on that team's ability to try to turn it around and change fortunes. And because you said there's minimal kind of work they can do on the training ground apart from try to, you know, watch the last dance or something like that for motivation purposes, um, might we see that things become even more entrenched than they normally would. So you might see that, as you said, relentlessly targeting, remorselessly targeting these guys, you know, the old Simpson Gibbs, stop it, he's already dead I maybe just ignore those and just think yeah you know what alright I see that this person's playing against Villa this week I could make this transfer but in fact they're playing against Villa that's the side in fact that so I'm going for it could be a very very fruitful way of doing it and captioning um, too
1: and one thing we underlined there was maybe the the energy aspect of this you know fatigue yeah. energy but also the fact is is that these are teams with smaller squads who can't rotate it's not like with Manchester United if they have a bad game like Ole Miss Oskar could pick six new attacking players and change it up and just, you know, punish a bunch of players for a poor performance and they could, you know, these players who have something to prove or can win their place or whatever might play well. Whereas in in this case, like these are teams who already have, you know, pretty scant options on the bench and who now, let's say Bournemouth and Burnley, we've seen it with both of those teams, they have quite a few contract rebels who may not be able to play for the club in a week or two's time. And maybe that's issue that they have in terms of squad depth is going to be just underlined 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 they're just it's all coming up millhouse for those teams and maybe pivoting off that in terms of player or teams that we've kind of dumped on a little bit uh, Dempsey is asking about Saka who was the bright spot in an otherwise disappointing Arsenal team uh, during this restart so like is he worth retaining as your eighth attacking player your first sub your fourth slash fifth midfielder depending on your Uh, formation I think so personally like he was pretty bright over the weekend and the fact over the two games actually and the fact of the matter is is like look you're not wasting a transfer he's pretty cheap he's just taking up a space that Todd Cantwell or some other random player would be taking up anyway but he actually might be able to provide something for you and we are going to see injuries suspensions uh, fatigue whatever affecting every squad probably and so at some point I think all 15 of your players are probably going to feature over the next weeks or whatever or eight game weeks and so you might as well have them
0: yeah no, i think so i think that in terms of like we didn't really speak about it earlier on but in terms of the filler there's only a few players i think that are really of interest so in nick's gone before armstrong which i totally understand if you can stretch to saint maximan and um, the next couple of the next few game weeks are pretty good for him uh, villa bournemouth man city and um, they're pretty good against 10 man sheffield united but all the way down there in the four point the four point eight 4.7 and below i mean it really is a straight choice between cousin todd and uh your man saka and I, I just kind of feel like saka is the way to go if you really really are stretched for cash um there's uh, always uh, keenan davis i just want to i just want to point out it could be uh, Gwent, useful.
1: nick's gwendo as well
0: oh yeah and it's oh god yeah going all the way down there completely forgot about him but, yeah um yeah
1: it's not really
0: that great, is it, down there uh, at this time of year? Um, that's just the way it is. I mean, we've, unless you're trying to fit an extra player in for a bench boost, in which case you would be looking for Saka 100%. Um, I'd just be in favour of writing that spot off, which is what i have done. I've got James McCarthy of Crystal Palace there, um, but that does leave me with a bit of a headaches. It means ahead of my um, ahead of my bench boots. I need to just find a way of Im- improving that. So there you go. There you go. Let's move on to transfer the caps this week. Um, so, yeah, captaincy is a bit of a vexed one this week because I think it would have been Liverpool without fail. Um, I think it would have been Mo Salah, uh, Mo Salah in particular without fail. But that doubt, the fact that he didn't even get a minute against Everton really does change things I mean is Mane the easy captain or are there players kind of hanging around so you know uh, FPL surgery annoyingly podded yesterday and also said my captain pick which is Bruno um, but there's the likes of you know, DCL floating around there's um, the likes of Jimenez that um, Nick's kind of picking up so I mean who, who do you think is uh, of interest this week uh, Stag and who are you going for yourself?
1: I think you've um, pretty much like picked up all of the the obvious picks that are there to me. I think we you mentioned briefly as well San as a potential pick there as well for um, Spurs playing against a pretty hapless West Ham team. I think I personally will continue to um, zag my way into oblivion and into probably seven figure ranks um, if I have another failed weekend. So I will probably look at either Real Jimenez or one of the Manchester United players who I'll be bringing in, I suspect that um, in spite of everything, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is going to be sacrificed as part of some sort of massive change-up. I think I could possibly sell Aubameyang, Grealish and Mount and do something daft just to change up my team and just continue to chase something that I will probably never achieve.
0: Oh, Interesting. Okay. Um, so you're not too sure what you can do yet, but you're thinking you made do something mad. All right. Cool. Um Yeah, as I said, I'm going to go for Bruno Fernandes, I think, against Sheffield United. Um, I mean, without Egan and without Denders and maybe without Jack O'Connell, I just think that that's uh, the prime for the taking, I think, Sheffield United. Um, So I'm going to be doing that, I think. Um, If we do find out that Salah is likely to play against Crystal Palace, I mean, if I want to, confirm the narrative that um you know salad that Crystal palace are an amazing defense they're gonna make things difficult for liverpool i'm sure i can tell that story to myself i'm not going to i don't think anyone should believe that story it's just people who aren't going to be casting Salah or marnie be telling you that story ignore that and focus on the upside which is that i think that my pick is probably going to outscore um but if, if klopp does say that salah is going to play that's going to be quite a, uh, that might that might Change and I might end up uh, just being feared into captaining him and hoping that other people are then making the mistake of uh, going with the other captains I mean as I've said as I said already there are there are a few which are of interest so you know, if we are going to be targeting those uh, crapper teams and uh, Nick's pick Jimenez and uh, Calvert-Lewin are fantastic pickups I just think that Bruno at the moment of the eye was probably the best player that I saw play this uh, over the course of this week's this weekend's games and uh, I think that you know he's got all sorts of avenues to points, from the long shots to um, the penalties to all sorts of assists and bonus. So I mean, even even if he gets an assist, you're in Kevin De Bruyne's sort of land where he's going to probably get at least one bonus point with that assist. So I'm probably going to go with Bruno and hope for a uh, for a de facto explosion. But I just don't know at this point. It could change, but yeah, it is
1: Bruno, I think toss in as well the uh, defender captain options I think as well um both Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, and yeah, yeah. Matt Doherty both playing against teams that struggle to score in Crystal Palace who I think I'd be correct in saying have scored the least of any team in the division maybe with only Norwich being the exception to that so Trent could easily pick up a clean sheet there and he's always he especially if you think that Salah or Mane or both are at risk in terms of minutes then maybe Alexander-Arnold is just your foil there and Matt Doherty, who, look, we've, we've seen it before. Last weekend is a pretty good example of what he can do against a team. And Bournemouth were absolutely terrible. Will they bounce back? Perhaps. That's the question you need to ask yourself.
0: Yeah, Ben Benteke has nailed to score against Liverpool without, without fail. Uh, he's going to score in <laughs> the 89th minute against Liverpool, uh, assisted by PVA, 100%. Cool. All right, that's a lot for this week, I think
1: yep it is indeed so just to say who we were we are who got the assist uh, nick will be back on thursday as well for another quick turnaround pod just like this one and the voting for the fca's closed last week there was quite a lot of us asking for votes over the last few weeks so thank you so much to those of you who did support us via twitter and through the online voting and the instagram voting
0: Yep, we've got nothing illuminating to add there except to say, obviously, I find it incredibly awkward looking for votes from people. Great to be nominated, but equally, I'm very glad that we can now focus on the pod and doing this sort of thing because I just, I just can't handle that. It's just not for me. But in any case, um, looking forward to being back on Thursday for another quick turnaround. I'm now going to work until about 2 o'clock in the morning to to get this out. So, yeah. Uh, in the meantime, hope this just you with Game Week 31, and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Bye. Farewell.
1: There we go. (laughs) I think that was actually a good part. (laughs) I I,
0: I can never tell anymore. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.